joy is a, a product of faith. So whatever mm. you're trusting in to satisfy you, uh, so that the measure of your joy is, the, is in the value of the object mm. that you're trusting mm. in. So satisfied people are glad people. And when you're satisfied with a thing which is most satisfying, you are very glad. You know, yeah. um, Peter talks, says, uses the term joy inexpressible. Mm. Uh, you know the joy that nothing in this world can give because it's in the radiant one mm. who's seated on his throne. You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles. We scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Make and Multiply. My name is Matt Grun, pastoral resident at Emmaus Road Church, and I'm joined with my two dear friends, Ryan Chase and Caleb Durnberger, uh, pastor and pastoral resident at Emmaus Road Church. And it really is, uh, I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, it's a joy to be together with you guys. <laughs> it always is. Uh, and today, our, our topic of discussion, um, we're going to do our second week in... Um, the sovereign grace uh, sh- shaping virtue. So again, this is found in that journal that was handed out uh, a couple weeks ago at our well, a month. Ago, holy cow! Um, over a month over, ago, over. since our um, ninth anniversary as a church, uh, coming from the sovereign grace uh, journal. Um, these are different than the. Uh, shared vert our values. You're, you're getting <laughs> all confused. So if anybody's confused, I mean, we'll know why. There's a lot of S's, a lot of V's. Okay, so the shared. Values. values is our more our theological distinctions, the things like our uh, reformed soteriology, our gospel centeredness, our uh, our complementarianism, things things that separate us from other churches, kind of denominationally. But these now, these uh, shaping virtues, are seven virtues that kind of maybe uh, characterize the people of Sovereign Grace churches. Um, and I think we you know we've introed enough about how these are meant to be. Um, functioning out of our shared, va- mm-hmm. our, our shared mm-hmm. values, our distinctions. These are these are meant to be uh, like kind of getting the ru- where the rubber meets the road, kind of how mm-hmm. we actually are to live and to be fueled by and shaped by ultimately the gospel of Jesus. So, mm-hmm. uh, last time we did humility, which is a great way to start, and then this time the second one, um, the the shaping virtue is that of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with all these words, what's so interesting is you come to these words, and of course you hear the word like humility or something like joy or servanthood, and all of a sudden you just import a whole bunch of definitions and thoughts, and of course that's what joy is, and we should do more of it. Um, But I think it's helpful to kind of stop and ask, what is it? Uh, What is it not? And then ultimately, how can we properly, biblically um, practice the the virtue of joy the spiritual or the the, the spiritual fruit that is joy so hmm. maybe let's start there right Ryan, Ryan help us get our, our head around what is joy and let's just start there what is it yeah it, it most simply it's it's happiness it's uh, pleasure well, hold on that can't be it can't be that simple <laughs> it is it it is pleasure um, great delight uh, happiness 
cheer, um, pleasurable, good, uh, you know, feelings, emotions are associated with that. And, mm-hmm. and I think just like our physical sensations basically break down into two categories, pleasant and unpleasant, there's pleasure and pain. Um, it, similarly, you could think that way about our emotions and, and feelings, the, the status of our soul, that there are good and bad feelings. Um, we can break down and use a lot of different words to describe a whole range of good feelings, mm. but joy is that overarching contentment, mm. happiness, pleasure, satisfaction, that feeling. Um, and so that, you know, in, in some sense, that's familiar to everybody. I, I think the distinction that's important is always um, what is the source of that joy, yeah. which is something we'll, we'll talk more about. But that's where not everybody has experienced the same kind of joy, the the, the same quality of joy or the same quantity of joy. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can experience more or less joy and, and you can experience joy to differing degrees or in, in different qualities based on the source of that. Yeah. What is it that's satisfying you? What is it that's giving you contentment or pleasure? Um, you can find kind of momentary fleeting joy or happiness right. in shallow things mm-hmm. and it's gone. And so the quality of that joy is completely different than Imagine if you could have joy that is eternal, unending, unassailable, nothing can take it away. Um, what did we call our sermon series through the book of Philippians? Um, is it like something un- unshakable or unshakable? Yeah, or? In- invincible joy, invincible I think is what we call it. Invincible joy. Yeah. Um, because joy is a huge theme yes. in the book of Philippians. The, the thing that Paul repeats again and again is rejoice, rejoice. He even says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say you know, rejoice. I, yeah. I tell you again, and to, to write it again is, is no trouble. So he's repeating this command to rejoice. And Paul's writing that from prison. Right. So circumstantially, we know he is finding joy in something outside of just easy, convenient, pleasurable mm. circumstances. He has a source of joy that is still sustaining him, even though his circumstances are anything but joyful or happy. Mm-hmm. And, and what's, you know, difficult to get our head around is that in Philippians especially, it's a command to be, yeah. to be joyful, right. you yep. know, rejoice. He's not asking, he's not asking, hey, when, you know, it'd, it'd be a good thing if you rejoice. It's a command. Mm-hmm. It's emphatic. And the fact that he repeats it immediately on itself mm-hmm. is, it, he means it. It's not just a suggestion. It is a command. And then you ask yourself, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, <laughs> how can I, you can't just ask me to be joyful, mm-hmm. but it is, it's helpful, like you were just describing, Ryan, that he's commanding us to be joyful because of, the reality of the source of that joy. So joy being the product of being satisfied, that's a really critical component. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I just think of, you know, we all know the experience of of eating just a really delicious meal, like over Christmas. It's January in Sioux Falls, and so the burger battle <laughs> is going on. There you go, okay. burger battle. Or, or you know. over, the, over the holidays, my mom made um, her, well, actually my grandmother's famous prime, I think prime roast. Yeah, it was it was the most delicious food I've had in years and I ate it and I just you just sit back and there's that glory in it satisfaction I've been filled and now I can take a nap and watch the Vikings lose right there's (laughs) there's that kind of but that but joy being a result of Mm. being satisfied yeah so the question is where is there satisfaction Mm -hmm. the psalmist in Psalm 17 says you make known to me the path of life in your presence 
in God's presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So there, there seems to be a connection between being in the presence of God or being in communion with him, uh, a right relationship with him, being satisfied in him that then produces joy. And so when Paul makes a command to be joyful, he's, he's not telling them to gin up some sort of, you know, uh, transient happiness amongst right, them. He, right. He's remembering, he's, he's commanding them to remember the gospel, to remember who God is, and therefore you must be joyful. Yeah. Because if you're not, then you're not believing something about what God has done for you and yeah. who he is. Yeah. That's a helpful definition too, because it then kind of helps us to understand what joy, as the Bible talks about, is is not, you know, as it's kind of being said already, true joy is not rooted in, or, or even think about, the culture, you know, the culture that we want our church to be about or the things that people have experienced when they walk in. What is that? How do we put our finger on that? Mm. And true joy is not rooted in personality or temperament. Mm. It's not like this, an on and off switch that we just hit with our finger. Um, nor is joy connected to our circumstances or rooted in their, our circumstances. You know, when the Bible speaks about joy, it doesn't speak on something dependent upon everything around us just being exactly how we want it to be. You know, like, great station in life, great happiness. If it was, if that was merely the message of the Bible where joy is found, then we'd either would not be happy very long, like a lot of people are, mm-hmm. or we'll be dis- discontent and discouraged very often. Joy is a, a product of faith. So whatever mm. you're trusting in to satisfy you, uh, so that the measure of your joy is, the, is in the value of the object mm. that you're trusting mm. in. So satisfied people are glad people. And when you're satisfied with a thing which is most satisfying, you are very glad. You know, yeah. um, Peter talks, says, uses the term joy inexpressible. Mm. Uh, you know the joy that nothing in this world can give because it's in the radiant one mm. who's seated on his throne. Yeah. yeah, that's well said. Yeah, that... That really is it. Uh, it. How often do, though, we make, in a lot of ways, just kind of categorize, like you said, a joy is just tied to a certain type of person or a certain type of personality or temperament. Mm-hmm. Of That person's just, it's just who they are. Happy They're just a happy lucky. person. They're mm-hmm. a joyful person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm not, and we use that then to say, well, I'm not that way and use it as license to you know, dwell in our melancholy or to yeah. dwell in our discontent, discontent, yeah, it's all, s- yeah, sinful attitudes. We, right. We can excuse because we just say it's, it's personality. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm more serious or more stoic and, right. And, and it's possible to have, um, kind of a sober minded joy. Right. So I think expressions of joy can look different in different people, right. different personalities, but getting down to the heart, you know, is there satisfaction or dissatisfaction, mm-hmm. contentment or yeah. discontentment. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how is it with your heart? And wh- like you're saying, Caleb, when you're talking about the object of your joy, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's why it's possible f- for Paul to say, Matt, as you were pointing out in Philippians, a, a command, rejoice in the Lord. That, the right. key part of that command is in the Lord. He's not just saying rejoice, period, as right. though the command is just smile and pretend like you're happy, you know, yeah. smooth over everything and ignore it all and just fake your happiness. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord. That's something you can do at any time in any circumstances. You can stop and consider, well, who is the Lord? Who is he for me? What has he promised mm-hmm. to be and do for me? I can think about that and take great delight in it. It's like, you know, taking a bite of that, that roast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, yeah. and being and tasting it, and mm-hmm. then remembering, oh, this is delicious because you're experiencing it. Yeah. Um, you know, we're always whatever that you know, rejoice, fill in the blank in what or yeah. in whom. A, a lot of times, discontentment comes from I, I'm believing something other than God is going to satisfy me, and so I really want that, but I don't have it. So then I'm discontent. Right. And so then, you know, our, our joy is, is gone. And so that's why, um, you know, others have said something like joy is the barometer of yes. faith. Joy is, the, joy is that thing that will kind of clue you in. How is your faith doing? Are you trusting in the Lord consciously or not? And, and if your joy, as your joy diminishes mm-hmm. and vanishes, you might realize, oh, I, I didn't even, wasn't aware of this, but now that I realize my joy is gone and I stop to consider why, what am I trusting to satisfy me right now, it, it shifted. My faith has turned from believing God is enough for me to thinking I have to have this, you know, approval or this mm. material object or this experience or this much money or, you know, somehow my, my faith has shifted to believing yeah. something other than God will satisfy me. And so my joy is down. And what I need to do is go back and rejoice in the Lord. That's really helpful because, yeah, since we are always walking by faith, we are always trusting in something to satisfy us. It's possible to say, I have joy right now in how great this burger tastes or how great this steak meal is or the company of all these people right now. It's possible to say that and it's true and it's, it's you know, we would say that's right as well. It's mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. don't have joy in these things. Um, but true joy, indestructible joy, I think... The Bible, it's, it's crazy when you think about where joy is spoken a lot about in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, it's also talking about rejoicing in various trials. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about the indestructible joy that you had mentioned earlier, Ryan, again, it goes back to that only can happen, you can only have that kind of joy as it is linked to the source of indestructible joy. I, I think of Jesus' words in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Yeah. Or in, in Psalm uh, 4, it says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. So there's certain degrees of joy that we can experience, right. but the highest joy, the fullness of joy, mm-hmm. pleasures forevermore mm-hmm. joy, is only found in God. And that, that circumstantial thing is just so critical because... I mean, think of what James says in James 1, that to count all of it, yep. joy, pure joy, pure joy, when you face trials and of various kinds, because it's in that that you will gain steadfastness. It's in, so there's a joy in reckon, and that's just a, that's a, what he's calling for is a paradigm shift. He's calling for us to not view our sufferings, our trials as uh, things that are going to bury me, but to see them as gifts, not gifts, but uh, a means of grace from the Lord to develop in us Christ, to, to, turn, to treasure Christ above mm-hmm. all else. So there's a sense of which, um, there's a sense in which treasuring Christ then produces that kind of joy in all circumstances. In fact, those things actually can be a means to bring about serious, deep, um, you know, yeah, unending joy. And I, I mm-hmm. think the passage and I, the, the hope of, or the ultimate hope of our faith is that being delivered, that ransomed homeness, mm-hmm. if you will. So mm-hmm. Isaiah and Isaiah 35, he's, you know, he's already just spent all this time describing the fall of Jerusalem and all the woes that will be coming because of their sin. He, he now begins to recount um, 
they will return and, and a ransom will return. And so here in Isaiah 35 verse 10, he says, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They mm. shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That is, that's, that's, but that can only be grasped by faith, right? Like, will God do that for me? Yeah. Yeah. And I think eschatologically thinking about the end where, where this is all going, the Bible holds out those promises. One day he will wipe away every tear from our eye. Mm. Death yes. will be no more. There will be no more sorrow or pain yes. or crying anymore. Just pure, unending, mm. unadulterated joy yes. forever. And so that, that's why we have by faith the assurance now, our future, no matter what your circumstances look like presently, God has promised us a future of unending joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unending happy tomorrows. Yeah. Every tomorrow is going to be for my good and for his glory. And so that ultimate future, that's coming, and yet there is this already not yet yes. where we have an experience of that joy by the Holy Spirit, who's a, a down payment, a guarantee of that joy to come. So God has put joy into our hearts. We experience that by faith as he pours out his spirit in us, and we hold on to those promises of a, a happy future, and yet we also go through suffering. So James 1, James can mm-hmm. say, count it all joy when you face trials of various mm-hmm. kinds. So you have this right now, the already not yet is this mingled, mm-hmm. this is a trial, this is an affliction, which means this is hard. And I don't have to deny that right. in order yeah. to be rejoicing in the Lord. I don't have to, you know, rejoicing in the Lord doesn't mean I just say everything's great and yeah. nothing is hard and it, nothing is sad in this life. Paul mm-hmm. even says in 2 mm-hmm. Corinthians 7 verse 4, in all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. Right. Yeah. In the midst of affliction, <laughs> and he doesn't beat around the bush and and downplay the reality of that affliction. If you you read Paul, he's very honest about the sufferings and the hardship that he goes through, and and it's hard, um, and yet overflowing with joy in the midst of that. Yeah. And so yeah. th- that's complex. That y- you can be sorrowful yet rejoicing, um, suffering and and yet content in God. That's such good news that our circumstances, especially trials only serve us from, by God to prove the surety and the lastingness of where true joy is found, mm-hmm. like the fullest joy. Not to say all these other joys are, you know, meaningless or, or whatnot, but it, it, it just, whole, it, it, there's something that does, it sifts everything away and helps us see more clearly, like this is the footing where I should be standing more than anything else. This is where I'm held fast and yeah. this is where I'm secure in this place right here. Um, what good news for us who often are in the toil, often you know, afflicted by all sorts of things. There are so many things that can threaten, uh, threaten our experience of joy, I can say it that way, but they only serve to point us and thrust us more into that the rock of ages, which will remain forevermore. Yeah. It might be worth saying just, just a word about, you know, how to, how to cultivate that and fight for joy yeah. um, before we get into kind of how this virtue shapes us and what it, you know, wow. looks like in, in practice. But um, because I, th- you know, what I've noticed pastorally in talking with people is oftentimes the, the discouragement people feel when they, they say things like, oh, I, I read the Bible and I'm just not, getting anything out yeah. of it, or I'm not feeling anything. And so they hear, I'm supposed to feel this joy and satisfaction in God. The reality is I, I don't really feel that. I think the way you get down to the heart is just by identifying what am I desiring the most? 
Um, and if I'm desiring something or someone other than God mm-hmm. to satisfy me and secure me, then the first thing you do is repent. Yeah. Uh, you, you confess that to God. God, I have been believing, I have become convinced that acquiring this, attaining that, mm. whatever, that will satisfy me and secure me. And oftentimes the thing we desire is not in and of itself wrong or yeah. immoral or sinful. Yeah. Like you were saying, it, it, it's okay to enjoy burgers and football children. and the weather and children. <laughs> it's, it's okay yeah. to enjoy those things so long as those are not ultimate things. Yes. And you know they become ultimate when you begin to respond sinfully when you don't get that thing. Mm. When you're acting out sinfully because something is getting in your way, then you know it's, it's replaced God in, in your heart. And mm-hmm. so uh, confession is the place to start. And you, just, you, you don't have to be already feeling joy to be doing this as mm-hmm. part of the way that you fight for it. You, you confess to God, I am wanting this more than I want you, and that's wrong. That's sin. That's idolatry. And so forgive me. And then you can be assured. You don't have to spend any time wallowing there in this, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm such a failure for doing this. No, you, you confess it, and then immediately you can be assured of God's forgiveness. Yeah. First yeah. John 1 9. And then you turn in faith. So that's repentance, turning away from whatever it was you were desiring. And in faith, you turn toward God and who He is for you by consciously setting your mind on something. And so oftentimes, if, if we're not experiencing joy, um, you, you, you never get it by just kind of making, you know, clenching your fists and right. saying, be happy. <laughs> Stop being impatient. Stop yeah. being discontent. You, you, you have to think about, meditate on specific truth about God. So Psalm 16, 11 tells us yeah. in your presence, there's fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So think about those things. Think about consciously who is God for me? Yeah. Um, why should I desire him more than I desire this? How good is it for my soul that I have him right now? And you can preach to your soul, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- why are you cast down within me? Uh, hope in the Lord. And, and as you start to think about who God is, it, it becomes clear to you, oh yeah, having God is a good thing. It's better than whatever else I was desiring. I already have him. Um, and and you, you keep doing that until your heart changes. And that might be okay. a process. It might be a an ongoing battle that you're yeah. kind of fighting because that other thing is going to come back is what I really, really want that. Well, then you, you commit that to God in prayer. God, you, you know that my desire. So I, I just think that's kind of an overview of the, the fight of faith, fighting fight for joy. Faith. Yeah. And I think as you're speaking, you're actually reciting scripture. I'm just, I think that's another helpful piece of cultivating that is having those specific promises readily available to you. Not like, I'm going to try to find them on the spot in the Bible, but I'm committing them to memory. And um, as you speak, I'm thinking of things like uh, those who look to him mm. are radiant. Yeah. Or uh, Philippians 3.8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Like Jesus is more satisfying. Um, even something, you know, when we recognize I should not be impatient, I should not be discontent, do I just grit my teeth and just stop doing that? No, obey God. It says, whoever has my commandments and does them, he, who lo- he it is who loves me, and my Father will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. So when we actually obey God and say, yeah, yeah. turning from this sinful attitude to you, to obey you, to not be this way, I'm trusting that I'm going to have more of you, mm-hmm. and that is better than fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Right, and so those are, you know, so that's how we cultivate it with, within ourselves, or you know, seeking to preach the gospel to ourselves, to to ask God for more of His Spirit in order to produce joy, the the virtue of joy. Mm-hmm. And I think even Ryan, as you were describing that, and Caleb too, of of doing that to yourself, how how important it is to yes, do that 
with yourself, but also in community. Mm-hmm. Do that to one another. Um, and that requires both being vulnerable or, or recognizing, confessing to others your um, that sin, and then also relying on other people to then encourage you with those very scriptures of, of no, you, you need not be discouraged because the Lord himself has told you to fear, to fear not, and in his presence there is fullness of joy forevermore. And so that process of preaching the gospel to one another happens uh, in community, in gospel community. And I think that's why this, you know, it's our aim as, as at Emmaus Road Church and as a Sovereign Grace Church to have that fruit be evident. Um, and so maybe a question worth asking to, to our listeners and also to all of us, um, well, to me, because you guys started the church, but when you first came to Emmaus, what was the, the aroma? Mm. Was it one of, of joy or was it one of stoic, <laughs> uh, you know, straightforwardness? Uh, I have an answer to that. <laughs> mm. And that was mm. back in the early days, back in when there wasn't as many people as there were, were now. There was just an evident joy amongst not just the mm. pastors, God. but amongst the, the people. And that can only come from I mean, like we've been saying, that is not just because they were just happy people. Mm-hmm. Um, in oh, fact, yeah. some of them and currently are going through long suffering, um, trials of a lot of kinds and of the same kinds over and over again. And yet their joy has not diminished. In fact, it has only grown. So that, that can only be the result of the gospel. So the question yes. is, how do we become a, continue to become a church, a body of believers where this fruit is evident, where yeah. this fruit mm-hmm. is discernible? From people when they walk in, they think something's different about yeah. this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, joy. I, I think um, it helps to think of this as an adverb. Then, uh, so often in in all of life, the the distinction, the difference, what really matters is in the adverb. You know, you, you can how do you do how something. you do a thing. Right. So you can do an action, and the action in and of itself, you might say, well, that that's the right thing, right? God mm-hmm. commands me to take giving, for example. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to give, but there's, there's a reason that scripture specifically says God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. So it's not just giving, it's how you give because you can give begrudgingly or you could give out of pride and arrogance like mm-hmm. Jesus tells the story about the Pharisees who love to be noticed for their mm-hmm. deeds. And so they stand on the street corner and um, make a big deal, you know, a lot of fanfare. Right. Um, you know, you got to get, get the big jumbo cardboard check so everybody knows just how much money you're donating. That's right. <laughs> so you get the credit for it. And also name the building after me. Yes. <laughs> so so there are ways of giving. It's not just giving in and of itself. It's how you give. And so giving cheerfully. And that that I think you could take this virtue of joy, happiness, cheerfulness, and and take any action in the Christian life and say it should be done cheerfully. Mm, yeah. <laughs> All of our obedience should be done from the heart yeah. with with joy. So when you're loving others, serving others, show hospitality. In fact, First Peter commands, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Right. What's the opposite of that? <laughs> really rejoicing. Exactly. Yeah. So it should be with, with joy and with, with cheerfulness. So, you know, to your point, it, it, joy should shape us then as yeah. each person is delighting themselves in the Lord, finding joy in God. Then you gather happy people together. There should be a culture that is yeah. noticeably a joyful, spirit of a joy. spirit of joy, absolutely, yeah. and and we've pointed this out before that you can you can walk into a church where doctrinally on paper you would say we believe the same things, but it can be dead yeah. spiritually, mm-hmm. absolutely. and and you can tell because nobody's happy that right. you know they're singing words that we would agree with, 
but they're not happy about it. Right. Their faces are not radiant. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I think too, I, I do this with my, with my kids, you know, training them, uh, obedience. I often will say and remind, especially Adeline when she was little and, and still I do, I, you know, how are you, you know, what are you to do? She's then have her recite to obey right away with joy because it matters how you obey. I, mm-hmm. I don't just want do it because I said so, but obey right away. So not a del- delayed, you know, right. five more minutes, but delay or obey right away. And then with joy and, yep. and you know, there is a cultivation process. Like oh, yeah. she doesn't do that all the time. <laughs> um, but it is a call to, to recognize that how you do something matters yeah, yeah. and how you do, do a, it, it informs the world about you and your, your spirit and your heart. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we want to be a church that that's, that, that are radiant, that are, um, well, cause that, that joy is just so infectious. Yeah. Um, when you know somebody who is joyful and not just because it's their personality, but clearly it comes from some source. You just, you want to be around them. Yeah. You yeah. want to spend time with them. You it wanna... is very attractive. Yeah. Yeah. Very contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget. I, there's an illustration that uh, Stephen Estes and Johnny Erickson Tata use in their book, When God Weeps. Mm-hmm. And, and they just tell a story. They say, um, you know, think through this thought experiment. You, you break down on the side of the road. Uh, you got a flat tire. You're a couple miles outside of town. You walk into town looking for help. And you see, you know, one side of the street, a couple arguing. And over here, you see somebody just shuffling along, looking dejected. And, and then you come across somebody just sitting on his front porch, sipping iced tea, whistling a tune. Who are you going to ask for help? Mm-hmm, you, yeah. You're inclined to go to the person who looks happy because their contentment means they have some margin to help you. Mm. And the good news for us is God is a happy God. He takes on our burdens, cares for us. But likewise, in community, happy people... Um, are tend to be helpful people yeah. to others. And so it, it's very winsome and attractive. Jared says in this article, if I had to put my finger on one quality that's marked my church experience in Sovereign Grace churches in general and in Covenant Fellowship Church in particular, that's where he's a senior pastor, it would be the presence of joy. I've mm-hmm. spent my life around Christians who sing with joy, serve with gladness, cultivate gratitude, talk about what it means to be happy pastors and celebrate the grace that has rescued us from sin and death. So you can just take anything, singing, serving, mm-hmm. hospitality, uh, and just fill in with joy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what we want to be by God's grace. And, and ultimately the, the real, you know, especially in community, the beautiful thing about joy is that it, 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 it forces you in a way or has or the product of being joyful is it moves your eyes out of your own life yeah. and out of your own situations yep. your own um hardships and out to others it's an other focus kind of virtue That's where right. mm-hmm. I, I am joyful and i want others to be joyful and so there is a it just raises your eyes up from your own life and into others and in in doing that, you recognize, oh, there's other people that are struggling. Let me come up to them mm. and, and see how I can serve them. Like you said, it gives me margin to free myself from my own, you know, wallowing mm-hmm. to find others who need. And it's not just come up to them and say, hey, you know, stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but rather, like like the psalmist, why are you downcast? Mm. You know, hope in the Lord. So there's a call to the gospel. And so, yeah. and that requires the gospel being at the center of our own individual lives, at the center of this community, of this church. And so I think that's ultimately what what we are seeking the Lord's help in is mm-hmm. to be a joyful people. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week and you know as as we go, would you pray for more of that in your in, in your own life and in, in our lives and um, 
that the, the, the joy of the Lord would be our strength. Yeah. Um, if I could add one more yeah. thing briefly, I think there's a way that we've ordered that these, there's an intentionality about um, these virtues. I mean, there's a reason humility is first. Humility makes way. It sets the table, if you will, yeah. for all these other things to spring up in our lives. And I think when we think of servanthood and generosity and encourage all these things that we want to be about, just like you said, Ryan, thinking, thinking of his joy as an adverb, joyfully doing these things. Mm. And your, your question of how do we cultivate these things in, in community, I would say um, one thing C.J. Mahaney said that stuck with me is, as those who want to serve and encourage, and I think especially us around this table who mm. have an extra responsibility for that um, in the context that we lead, um, please God in private, this is what he says, please God in private by cheerfully serving so that it does not turn into something you just have to do. Just like humility, we want to like be hum- we, we, we want to be humble without actually being humble. We want to <laughs> be joyful without actually being joyful. Right. Um, so for those of you listening right now who are at home with the kids or um, alone at home with your spouse or just in those contexts where it's easy to kind of check out and then think, oh, but now it's time to go be joyful with these yeah. people. Do it, cultivate it first in that ground there. Serve, yeah. serve your wife joyfully. Uh, discipline your child joyfully. Go to work gladly and, and respond to people graciously and cheerfully so that it's not something that we just put on you know, when we're together, because that's where true joy is cultivated. And then it only f- spills over all the more yeah. as we are with the, the body. Yeah, that's good. No, well said. So we pray for more of that, uh, not just our own strength to, to just be happier people, but that because of what Jesus has, what God has done in Christ Jesus through his spirit, we can be joyful. And, and in fact, we must be joyful. Uh, and we pray that we would do that even in the midst of our own homes and the private of our own study as we read with our kids, with our friends, and then ultimately with, uh, with our church. So until next time, amen. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles, missional communities, or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.